I've always wanted to be a perfectionist. I wanted that to be the best in everything. Tell me about your life as an army captain. You rose through the ranks. The first strike of illness, was it during the course of you being in the SAR? Within two months, I lost about 20 to 25 kilograms. No kidding. Um, without doing anything. Is this at the same time where you also lose your pilot license? I planned out 10 years down the road. How old were you then? I was 26. Literally, I know that uh, things just got even worse. It's according to them that this, this cancer occurs mostly in women. Even if it occurs in men, it's uh, one out of one million. My whole internal organs were all jumbled up. It wasn't functioning properly. They told my parents that I had 5% chance of survival. The main question that I posed myself was, am I really to meet God? Dalam kehidupan kita, di dalam perjalanan kehidupan kita ni, sekali kita akan terjatuh. Ada orang jatuh dan dapat bangkit semula dan ada orang dia jatuh dan sukar untuk bangkit semula. Namun, orang yang dapat bangkit semula itu merupakan orang yang pertama, dia menerima kekuatan, kedua, dia menerima hidayah untuk percaya bahawasanya manusia yang diuji itu adalah manusia yang akan dapat mempertingkatkan martabat dirinya secara sedar ataupun tidak. Adakah kesakitan ataupun ujian yang kita terima ni merupakan satu rahmat daripada Tuhan ataupun kita melihatnya sebagai satu musibah yang diberikan Tuhan uh, ke atas diri kita. So, depends on how you perceive life, depends on how you see things. Dan bila datangnya ujian, what do you do to make sure that you are able to move forward with a lot of faith and leave matters in the hands of God? So today we have somebody who have a life that is fulfilling a life that is destined for good things. But when it comes to a test of time, how did he overcome it? Now, today we have Fuad. I would like to ask you, Fuad, what was it, what was it like growing up when everything was considered as normal? I believe that when I was growing up, I led a carefree life. My parents, uh, they are the ones who taught me about discipline, especially in terms of time management. Mm. They would um, structure my day, you know, making sure that I have sufficient uh, rest, sufficient time to study, sufficient play. You know, there's, there's always a balance um, throughout life. I was always encouraged and motivated to do well in school. Um, Alhamdulillah, throughout my years in uh, primary school and secondary school, um, I managed to do well. I managed to excel in my studies. Alhamdulillah, um, God really gave me that, I would say, um, intelligence. I had a lot of plans. I had a lot of ambitions. Um, when I was young, I wanted to become a doctor. I put a lot of effort in the sciences, uh, mathematics, um, which then propelled me forward to achieve a triple science in um, secondary school in Victoria School. Um, of which then I realised that um, I had more to, to achieve. Um, along with the CCAs and whatnot that I chose, which is I was, I was a band major back in Victoria School Concert Band. So I led a, a concert band um, to go through competitions. It built me with a lot of courage, a lot of, a lot of grit. I just believe that with determination and hard work, I could achieve everything. You're a very smart boy and a popular one in school. <laughs> I wouldn't say popular. 
Um, but um, being smart and excel in sports than a band major means you do have a lot of attention. Somewhat, yes. Somewhat, yes. I I was, um, you know, I love to play football, mm. right? Ever since I was young, uh, even with my family members, um, I would just go out to play, you know. And I I felt that um, when I went to uh, junior college, mm. I I joined the, the the football team in Meridian. I believe that that sportsman in me pushed me forward to 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 greater heights. Right to excel, and I just believe that I could just excel in everything that I do. I think that balance of um, what I achieve in sports and what I achieve in my CCA at that point of time meant everything yeah. to me. Yeah. Right, and to make my parents happy with good grades is, of course, yeah, another one. A job, lah. Like yeah. <laughs> almost. Almost. Yeah. Almost, almost a job. Almost a job. So humble, lah. From from the ever dream of wanting to be a doctor, then you move to the uniform group. Yes. Okay. Why? Uh, how? How did that happen? I realized at that point of time when um, I joined the army, mm. I would say that poise to be an officer kind of attracted me. I, I kind of like the regimentation, that discipline, that uh, military lifestyle that um, I led during my NS. Mm. And mm. Uh, furthermore, I was encouraged to take up a scholarship in the SAF. Oh. So that was something that um, I. You know, I I discussed with my loved ones, and they pushed me forward to 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 um, capitalize on it. Not everybody got the offer of 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 a scholarship, so you must have you must have excelled in, in in your field and also in in the academic side of it. Um, I would say uh, at that point of time, it was not many people got the scholarship, mm. right? um, particularly also because. Uh, the 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 criteria or the standards are pretty high. Um, I would say that uh, I was lucky with the effort that I put in. It just uh, became it came to realization um, that perhaps this is meant for me. So you knew that you have so much drive and very competitive. Yes, I I've always wanted to be. Uh, I, I mean, maybe it sounds morbid, but I've always wanted to be a perfectionist. I want to to be good in everything. Um, but I don't, I don't particularly uh, show it off or brag about it. I'll just be competitive against myself, yeah. to outdo myself, to be even better at anything I do, right? Be it in maybe just a Sunday football session, or be it you know um, to lead a platoon. I just wanted to be the best in everything. Tell me about your life as an army captain. You rose through the ranks. Yes, so. Um, in a very short time, I reckon. Um, not very short time. Um, it was after after I completed my studies, I came back to service, and uh, of course there was an placement to become a captain, right? Um, back then I was already posted to uh, Safti OCS um, to lead uh, a platoon of uh, officers to be. Mm-hmm. So, um, with that being said. Um, my journey as a captain, I would say, colourful. Many people I led along the way, and I I hope that I have changed their lives to be better. Um, there are people that uh, I still keep in contact up till today, uh, my men, and I'm always grateful for that opportunity because that's one of the main reasons of why I signed on in the army is to meet people. So, do you believe that leaders are born or leaders are designed? What I do you think? 
in my opinion, um, maybe everyone, not everybody has the capacity to lead, but definitely if you desire to be in a position where you lead people, um, somehow you will churn out the best in you. So it could be, someone could be shaped to be a leader. Maybe the situation forces you to be one. So what are you? What were you? I believe I was just born to lead. And I say that with confidence and all humility. And yeah, and I believed you. Now, let's talk about the first strike of illness. Was it during the course of you being in the SAF? Um, yes. How, how did you discover that? I was in Brunei at a point of time. Um, me and my, a few officers went up there to uh, manage a, a group of cadets because they are doing the um, officers' uh, orientation course for jungle confidence. So um, back then, even before the during the qualification period of having to go to Brunei, you 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 need to complete a a, a, a course a course yeah yes. before you go to Brunei to to, to determine your fitness levels. Um, I was already experiencing some form of uh, discomfort, especially in my 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 lower back, and I felt a bit fatigued, and um, I, I I lost the the will to to eat a bit, which is a bit of uh, weird for me because I'm a person who normally eats well, mm. and I just brush it off as a, like a back strain because the army could be quite you know rigorous in its activities and. Particularly also, I'm a gym goer. So, um, I just brush it off as, hey, this could be just uh, those one-off times when I got injured, right? Uh, just rest for a few weeks and, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll just be better. Mm. But that wasn't the case, right? Even when in Brunei, I had to rely on uh, Panadol. I had to rely on painkillers. So, there were fevers? Mild fevers. Mild fevers? Yes. Do you vomit? I did not vomit at that point of time. Uh, there were mouth fevers, but um, the painkillers were more towards to cater towards my lower back pain, which I had difficulty, you know, with the daily routines as an instructor back in Brunei. So when I came back, it got worse. So your gait changes. You, you can't walk straight. Um, at that point of time, um, it was very. I felt very restless in my back. Uh, I had to always squat down, sit down. It's like a nagging pain. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, um, Numbing pain, nagging pain. Um, I could not sit still. Okay. And it, uh, it exacerbated to the point where I just could not sleep at night. Yeah. So even when I tried to flatten my back, stretching, I did everything I can. Right? I even went for acupuncture. Oh. Yeah, but to no avail, the pain was still there. And I felt that Hey, this is something was wrong. Yeah, yes. something was wrong. So I, I really I went to the doctor. Um, I went to the hospital actually, and uh, the doctor just uh, gave me painkillers uh, because he thought that you know it's just a strain, just another set of painkillers, just to see what's what's wrong with him. Yes, that's right. That's right. Um, but I think the symptoms got worse. Okay. Um, the on and off fevers oh. just became more frequent. What else happened besides the fevers? I lost a lot of weight. Within two months, I lost about 20 to 25 kilograms. No kidding. Yes. Um, without doing anything, I lost that amount of weight. Uh, I lost the will to eat 
anything that I try to ingest immediately comes out. Uh, Do you lose your 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 happy your happiness index at the same time? I'm very moody. Bingit lah, bingit. The word is bingit. Of course, yes. Because at the, you know, it came to the point where you just feel that hey, you know, I can't work out where it was the 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 place where I try to I try to release my stress and whatnot. Mm. It was to the point that uh, I became a bit tired trying to endure this pain. But um, sad to say, things just went spiral down. Down. Yeah. Uh, is this at the same time where you also lose your pilot license? Or you you, uh, you you could not cross. You you went through through the test. Yes. So uh, after, I mean, during the time when I was in the army, mm. I decided to make a career change. Mm. Um, I spoke to my parents about it, and I decided to you know try to apply um, as a cadet pilot for Qatar Airways. Mm. Um, so I went for the I went for the test. It's a campus test, right? Um, I managed to pass. And all I had to do was to just enroll in the training. I was very excited for it. I had plans. I had a lot of ambition. I basically, I planned out 10 years down the road. How old were you then? I was 26. And you were really planning 10 years ahead? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I met my uh, back then girlfriend, yeah. right? And we spoke about it and we were excited for the future, you know, uh, how it's going to be like. You know, as a pilot, we were trying to, you know, influence each other with regards to our lifestyle and how we could click. So it was it was a, a very well planned dream. Dream, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But unfortunately, at that point of time, when my health went downwards, um, I had to. One of the most painful things was to um, email the HR that was managing this uh, admission. Pilot, cadet pilot admission that I had to forego the course due to health reasons, and what's worse was at that point of time I don't know what I was experiencing. I don't know what the diagnosis was. I don't know what's wrong with me, and that was the most but one of the most scary part. But that during that time it's already 20 kilos down or 35. Yes. yes, that's right. That's right. So how did you discover that you are <laughs> ill, that your true illness? Initially, when I got admitted into hospital, mm. um, I was diagnosed with uh, thyroid because my uh, hormones were pretty iffy. And isn't that strange? Uh, yeah, it's pretty strange. But um, based on the symptoms, it seems that it clicked. The weight loss, the nausea, the vomiting, the pain—it has started. Yes, that's right. So, so you were vomiting <clears throat> almost daily. Um, I would say. I, every time I try to keep my foot down, I would just vomit part of it or almost all of it. Yeah. So initially, when I was diagnosed with thyroid, um, I was discharged and tried to continue my day-to-day. But um, literally, I know that uh, things just got even worse. So I think the red flag was one day, one fine day, when I was trying to rub medicated oil onto my tummy and. I saw this bulge on my stomach, on my abdomen, and I thought that that's not normal. So, I showed my mother, who was completely shocked. Is it huge? It's huge. It's huge. It was protruding out of my stomach, right? Um, it was the like size of a golf ball, and and we knew that at that point of time, we, um, this is not just this is not this is not normal. Something is wrong. 
we rushed to the A&E and the doctor gave me a ultrasound on my liver and they found lesions, multiple lesions. Multiple lesions? Yeah. Oh. Basically tumors. Yeah. And and when they told me that I was I I at the, I remember at that point of time I was really very, very scared. Even at that point of time, I don't know what I was facing. I don't know how to explain S- to my parents. Sounds like it's the first time you f- you feel really, really worried and scared. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, the and that was just the ultrasound, right? It wasn't even the 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 diagnosis or the investigation into what, what so, was the root so cause. So you were there alone. No one. My father was there. He put up a brief front, right? He he said that, oh, inshallah, nothing. It's. I think I think it's going to be okay. Mm. You know, don't worry too much. Let's um, get yourself checked even more, right? Let's deep dive into into this a bit more, of course, and we see how it goes. Huh? Mm. <clears throat> um, after a while, we did a blood test and we did a CT scan. Uh, and multiple tumors found on the other parts of the body, my lymph nodes, my liver, my lungs. And oh. It has spread without you knowing it. Yes, that's right. Okay. So at that point of time, the, doc- the doctor told me that um, this might be cancer. Those tumors don't look um, normal. The doctor told me that hey, this this it seems to be that it's uh, that the tumor seems to be malignant, and we have to do a biopsy on you. But the biopsy wasn't till the following week. And I was already panicking, right? I wanted this to be resolved as soon as possible. I want to, I basically, I just want answers. And whatever it is, I just wanted treatment to ensue as soon as possible. So I got myself, requested myself to be discharged, to go to SGH immediately. And the following day, I got a biopsy. And the next day itself, it was... I, it was that morning when the doctor just came into the room and just told me that, that I had late stage cancer. <clears throat> it's a rare type of cancer. <clears throat> Choriocarcinoma and uh, you know, I have 30% chance of survival. But um, that's what they told me to make me not so discouraged. But behind closed doors, they told my parents that I had five percent chance of survival. Five percent. Yes. The time left wasn't long. To the extent that <clears throat> if the since the spread was so rapid and aggressive. The doctors determined that it could have just spread over a few few weeks or months. Um, Did it tell you what causes it? Due to the rare rarity of this type of cancer, they they could not determine accurately what was the root cause of it. But was there a family history of cancer? No, there was nothing. Just very isolated. Yes, that's right. I, my parents, my uncle, my grandfather, they never had cancer, so it was just me. Yeah, so. They was they were quite puzzled as to how did this cancer even come about, because according to them that this this cancer occurs mostly in women. Even if it occurs in men, it's one out of one million. And 
I was only the third person in Singapore to have ever got. Did you take time to internalize it? It's like why me? Of course, at that point of time when the news was broke to me, I, I, I tried my heart to swallow it, but. Tough. Yeah, but it was it was very very tough, right? I I tried to um, question like why what did I do wrong, what did I do to deserve all this? Right? But why me? Have I have I done bad to people to deserve this kind of uh, retribution? To me, it's always about cause and effect, right? Mm. Yeah. So a direct causation that could be that I could I could have um, done something bad to someone, but did you? <laughs> I believe I did not. I was always uh, happy around people. I got along with my friends very well, right? But at that point of time, I was questioning a lot. And the main question that um, I posed myself was, am I really to meet God? Like, for real, you know, this is, this is real. This it's is five, not, 5% of yeah, living. It's like, it could, I could be gone in the next few hours, right? So what went through your mind during that time? Besides thinking about dying, how long do you cry? How long do you shed your tears? I try to mask everything inside me mm-hmm. and say that, you know, it's going to be okay and whatnot. I remember that the first night that um, I stayed in the hospital after learning the news, I was trying to, of course, uh, um, try to make sense of it, right? But there was no sense. It was no, there was no answers. I was Macam lost. susah nak percaya lah. Yeah, like yeah. Betul ke? Yeah, so so I was, macam tengah fikir lah, what, what am I supposed to do next? Taubat. I think that's the normal thing that any human Muslim Do you do. feel macam aku ni banyak dosa, ataupun aku ni ada tak dosa dengan Tuhan? What did I did not do yeah. to appease God? Something like that. Correct. Yeah, uh, all those times that I missed my prayers and, and whatnot, then he came to visit me, I would say. I guess I would say that my sins came to visit me. And I tried to repent, of course, right? And but it was not so simple. What did you wish for during that time, or what did you ask for from God? Ingat I wish that I would never disobey my parents. I think that was the number one thing that I forsake or I took for granted. I tried to converse with the Almighty that I just want another chance to survive. But you look like the ever-obedient son. <laughs> but, oh, but, but, less, <laughs> but, but that's between you and, and your parents, right? Only yeah. We all have our rebellious period. Yes, you know, that's right. Uh, when, when they say yes, we all say no. Yes. Right? Now, yes. let's talk about when you have internalized this pain, when you have internalized the cancer, you say, okay, lah, go the cancer. Lah. Let's go through the motion of getting well. So... I I thought that okay fine, I have cancer. Come, uh-huh. let's look at solutions. Right? Okay, let's move forward and look at solutions. Can still think straight, lah. Yeah, I I I try to think. I force myself to think straight. You know, I I mean normally I would just you know try not to dwell on it and just move forward to think of solutions. So so what's next, right? Uh, it was okay chemo. Come, mm. let's do it. Right, don't waste time. Let's 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 do it. Let's get over and done with. Inshallah, who knows that you know I might pull through. Which, yeah. But you, you don't have any idea how painful chemotherapy is? I didn't know. I've heard of it. Yes. Some people try to discourage me from it because of the side effects that it has. Yeah. But I decided to go for it because there's no other choice. The, the extent of which it was spread was so 
Vast. Um, yeah, so vast that, you know, I need something that was immediate and quick. Mm. So I came, I tried to have chemo, but at the same time, I believe that, you know, I hear my parents' advice to continue pray, to continue to repent, mm. to continue to read the Quran, etc., etc. And I tried to internalize and accept this. I think the, the first level of, um, the first level of activity, or I try to tell myself is, come, let's accept this first. Once you've accepted it, you can move on. Lo and behold, I thought I could accept it. But even during my treatment, there was a complication. That was when I faced the, uh, a rupture in my liver oh due to the drugs, the chemotherapy drugs. Um, so uh, multiple tumors in my liver start to rupture and I faced internal bleeding. Um, my stomach was completely distended all the while. You know, I was screaming in excruciating pain. But you can't tell where the pain is? I. I keep pressing. I keep telling them. I remember I keep telling the nurse that the right side of abdomen was so painful, blinding pain, that I even fainted from the pain. And I woke up, I was still in pain. Oh dear. That was the, ex- the one of the most painful moments of my life. Right. And I was rushed to the scan and there, that's where the doctors told me that there was internal bleeding and I had to rush for surgery the following morning. So they cut you up? Um, they didn't. They, they, they did this process called radioembolization uh, em, where they tried to make a small incision through my thigh uh, and um, insert uh, some apparatus throughout my body, through my body to the liver to block out all those um, lesions that were bleeding. At that point of time, I, I remember um, my dad told me that I was, uh, I was pale and the doctor told me that, you know, I gotta be, I gotta be very, very frank with you. It's either you do this, or you die. And I like his honesty. He was brutally honest. But I told him that if I, what if I do it, you could also die, right? So I talked to my dad and say, "Bala, just do it." It's worth Tawa- trying. Yeah, If it's my time to go, then just not, not within my power to. How long? How long was the surgery? How long does it take for you to... Six hours. I remember I was... Uh, <clears throat> I was inside this uh, chamber. Or I, I can't remember. My vision was quite blurred at the point of time. <clears throat> and uh, I recited every prayer that I could. <laughs> uh, especially I the... Especially is the selawat lah, and uh, I, I, it was long, painful. Even when they injected me, I could feel the apparatus inside my body, and I, I just, I, I at that point of time, I was um, counting the minutes or hours that I could, you know, just, just uh, not ever wake up again. Would you? Ready to go? I was. Or you were like, no, I will survive this. No, I was. At the, I was actually giving up. And the point that was actually really, really giving up, because of what the doctor told me, mm. right? And I was actually ready to go. I was like closing my eyes and I was praying, mm-hmm. and I I closed my eyes and I kept telling myself, I think the next moment I open my eyes is, it probably I've been questioned by the by the angels 
I mean, now that I could joke about it, but there was at that point of time, I was really thinking about that. I was really thinking about death. Um, death was really knocking on the door. I I knew I wasn't ready. But six hours later, you woke up. Yeah, I woke up and the doctor told me. Uh, I remember it was an Indian doctor. He he tried to cheer me up. Mm-hmm. It was very encouraging. He told me that, well done, you know, stay strong. You're gonna get through this. I remember it was a Sunday. And when I came out, I I saw my parents and they were. <clears throat> I mean, everyone was uh, crying out there. I said, my dad. I tell you, my dad was. <laughs> He was the rock, right? I just gave him a thumbs up, lah, because I was already sedated. Uh, just give him a thumbs up, and the next moment I, I was in a critical care ward. But <clears throat> what went through, what followed on through was <laughs> difficult. So, what went through was the road to recovery. Yes. It was difficult because my whole internal organs were all jumbled up. It wasn't functioning properly. My liver wasn't functioning. My intestines weren't functioning at all. You know, I was vomiting gastric juices. Green. I was vomiting green even without ingesting anything, and there was the gastric juices. I cannot defecate. I cannot urine. So there was nothing, and I was losing blood. I lost the ability to clot, meaning to say, if I hit something, I could just die of bleeding. Bleeding. So the doctors were busy, you know, uh, pumping me with blood and platelets to make sure that I could, you know, get sufficient nutrients through the IV and whatnot. But at the same time, I was trying to internalize that hey, can I even get through this? You know, this is this is painful. I was basically living on morphine, right? Painkillers all the while. The moment the morphine wears out, it was excruciating pain because the wound was fresh. Right. Um, it was eight days without food or drink. It was nothing. It was just pure vomiting, or just lying down. Um, yeah. Do you give up during that? Like now, my life finished, done. Um, I'm giving up, or you were I, still determined to go through it? I tried to fight. Yes. I would say I tried to fight. Uh, my parents, my father, and my mother keep encouraging me to to push through this. You know. Hey, I've already made the first hurdle of surgery. You know, don't waste it. You know, I, took, I keep telling myself that. You know, I, I'm sure that, um, you know, God gave me a purpose, gave me a reason to survive that surgery. So that became the driving factor to this ne- towards the next stage, which is to try to get to resume chemotherapy, right? So, mm, but it was painful, right? I I I had convulsions at night. I was shaking occasionally. I had fever to the point I was shaking. I was telling the nurse to shut the aircon because I was freezing cold. But it wasn't cold at all because the other patients they looked fine. It was just my body just not well, right? Um, I was hungry, but at the same time, I knew that I couldn't eat anything. anything. Yeah. I can't. I can't eat anything, right? And I just could rely on. Um, Uh, that the fluid that the doctor gave. The next, the next moment, the doctor told me that, uh, you know, we will try to give you some, um, something to something sweet, to drink, 
mm. form it out. You know, I, I just couldn't ingest. So it, it took me quite a while to adjust to eating and drinking. But I, the moment when my lips touch the fluid, I remember, I, I could really remember that, that nikmat, uh, that blessing. It was a, really a blessing to, to drink, to eat. And after that, to defecate and to urinate. It was a blessing. I was so happy. I was, I was never ever happy to... It might seem weird, but I was never ever happy to... To pee. To pee, yeah. <laughs> Because I knew that, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm functioning, you know. And all this while that I never thank God for all these blessings. And that was a lesson back then. Everything, everything was a blessing. Yeah. So, uh, what ensued then, I tried to ingest small soft foods first. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Then, uh, but at the same time, um, my muscles were losing a lot of mass. You know, my, my legs were skinny. Does it cause some form of depression? Of course. Yeah, especially because I, I... You're a sportsman. Yes. I thrive on, um, you know, working out, exercising, yeah. playing sports. So at the point of time when I, I lost everything, right, I, it was really a... I was. I lost my self-esteem. I lost my identity. I lost everything. In the next stage of recovery was, I tried to resume chemotherapy. That's another set of pain. I was exhausted and I collapsed in the toilet. My mom found me lying down in the toilet. I was spent fighting cancer. I was reaching my 30s, right? I was thinking about my friends, you know, what they are doing. They're all choosing their careers. It was hard to find a job. I felt that I was not providing. Mm. As a man, you want to provide for the family, right? What's the point of living if you can't live a normal life? I doubted the existence of the divine power that is above us. I just wanted to know why. And if you are there, you know, 